Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 in Conversation podcast, episode 145. My very special guest on today's show is Jesse Cage. Um, he is a, a US uh, rock radio DJ, uh, also a multiple podcast host as well. Um, but yeah, I found out about this guy. We sort of go over it in the uh, in the in the podcast in the interview itself. But um, when I was when I moved to Tampa with my family. Um, the first couple of years wasn't working as such so as in i wasn't working um looking after the kids and whatnot and so we just had the radio on in the background instead of the tv all day the radio on and it was nine times out of ten it was tuned to 98 rock um and and that's how i found out about jesse cage just since then followed him on you'll hear about all this in the uh, interview so i'm not gonna um spoil anything else for you but um yeah just it was an absolute pleasure to speak to him uh he's got a new uh podcast out right now uh, it's every Thursday it's released. It's called First Match. Now, that that is uh, he has a love for pro wrestling. So what he's doing on that one, he is interviewing um, pro wrestlers and getting their origin stories. So the way they made it into the business, um, any kind of like trips and falls they had, etc., getting in, or the, you know, the stories behind all that. The first episode he had up or has up uh, is with Luke Gallows, uh, formerly of WWE. Um, and uh, this week, I believe... Uh, yep, now he's got the Blue Meanie on his show as well, um, on his current episode. So do go check that out. In fact, go subscribe to it now so you can stop this or even you can listen to what he did. Go find it. Uh, if you love pro wrestling, you'll love this podcast. So go find it. You can find Jesse Cage as well if you want to follow up on that. Um, he's at Jesse Cage on Instagram and Twitter. And if you look at if you're on Facebook, The Cage Cult, that's K-A-G-E-K-U-L-T. That's his like Facebook page for all his projects and everything that he's got going on. Um, but like I said, it was an absolute damn pleasure to speak to him. But I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. I'll be back again next week with a whole bunch of other uh, podcasts as well. Got some nice ones next week. Um, not going to spoil it for you. So, you know, it'd be a nice surprise for your subscribers and everything. Um, but yeah, feel free to hit me up over the weekend on the on the uh, socials as well. Let me know what you liked. Um, if you're checking out the bands that I'm featuring, stuff like that. Uh, if you check out first match, please let me know. Uh, hit me up on whatever social and just say yeah, I listen to it. I'm not going to take up much more of your time. Here is Jesse Cage. Enjoy. <laughs> Uh, welcome to today's show. I have a very special guest. I have Jesse Cage. Now, my UK listeners may not have heard of you, but you are a native of the United States of America. Uh, you are a radio DJ primarily over there, but you have other projects as well. But um, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely my pleasure, man. Um, uh, like I said, before we hit record, um, discovered you when I lived in Tampa for the, the five years that I was there. Um, the first couple of years there, I listened to uh, 98 Rock for, well, I'd say religiously, between you and the and um, I think The Bone, I think it was the other one that I listened to. So, um, um, but no, just sort of the novelty of having a, um, a rock station was great because in the UK, we don't have any uh like dedicated on at least on the main airwaves like dedicated rock stations sure there's a few on there's a few on digital i work for one that's internet based as well so um it kind of um uh you can get it but not like when you're sat in your car basically sure cool well i wanted to sort of get you on because i'm doing a special on um djs uh now my sort of like background generally with that is is sort of like performance djing so scratch djing 
um club djing stuff like that and that's what i do myself but i also do radio as i mentioned um but i wanted to get you on because you've been doing radio for well i I don't know exactly how long but as long as i can remember (laughs) on that front um i was just sort of like Yeah, I've been in the radio business for, it was funny, I was literally doing the math this morning, and it's just under 25 years. Oh, wow. Which is surreal, since I'm only 43 years old, so. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to find out is how you started out in radio, like what 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 uh, what path did that, you know, how did you get on that path, basically? Yeah, I started radio when I was a uh, junior in high school, so third year in high school, and I had a buddy who was doing a radio show and he asked if I would like to come out one night and be a part of the show. He was doing like a Saturday night heavy metal show. And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be rad. I'll definitely do that. So went out and just fell in love, man. Fell in love with the business, fell in love with that microphone, that fickle, fickle bitch we call a microphone. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I really never looked back. I mean, I did a couple things, uh, you know, cause I was young at the time. So I was yeah. trying to find myself, uh, trained to be a pro wrestler. I managed a health club. I did all sorts of fun stuff, but radio was a thing that was always there for me. And I was two years into college and decided that I was wasting my money and I was already doing what I love to do. So found a full-time radio gig and just really never looked back. Cool. So has it always been like predominantly rock radio you've done, or has it been sort of a general multi-genre? Oh, man. I've done everything. When I, my first big gig, I was working for a top 40 radio station. So you got a picture, and at the time I still had hair, so I had long <laughs> hair down to my waist, uh, Metallica t-shirts, and I'm spinning fucking Celine Dion tracks. So... <laughs> <laughs> You know, in the radio business, you do what you got to do to get in. You know, you don't always get your first choice that first go around. You got to prove yourself like in any industry. And luckily, I was able to do that. I was able to prove myself and uh, create some longevity for myself. And, uh, you know, finally, years later, I did top 40 in pop radio for years, uh, probably three or four years. And then finally got a break in rock radio and... Man, uh, never again. Never looked back. Once I, I, I hit my stride doing that, I started doing some rock radio, doing overnights at one hundred three point one The Buzz in West Palm Beach, Florida. Nice. From there, went to ninety seven X here in Tampa, and then I got my super big break when I got hired to do afternoons at ninety eight Rock, and I was there for eight years, I think. So I've kind of kind of done it all, but rock radio is definitely where my heart is at no that's really cool because i say it's a novelty here to sort of have that on a sort of i'd say a mainstream sort of airwave like fm radio stream if you will um and and it was one of the things like when i moved there that that, because i wasn't able to work for the couple of two well for about two years uh when i first moved there um i had the radio on constantly and it was like it was you guys it was you in the afternoon um i think uh, big rig stuff like that if if they're still going there and stuff because obviously yep. listening to it now is a bit more difficult but um no it was just really cool and you got me into some like cool bands as well um just with some of the sort of local stuff you did i think clench fist was one of them that i really um like a local band to the area um i don't know if they're still they going just, they've got some new stuff coming out they just sent me a new single i have not mm-hmm. had a chance to listen to it yet but that's on the agenda for later today so those guys are still 
crushing it. Oh, that's awesome. That's all. I'm gonna have to find that, dig that out then, because um, I went to a show you put on at. Oh, can I, it's it's the place next to Janice Live, the club. Um, oh, Club Detroit. That's it, Club Detroit. You did, you you put on Fozzy there, and uh, yeah, and clench fist for the support for that club while there. So, oh, were you okay? Yeah, cool. we Detroit was a legendary club here in St. Pete years and years ago. I used to actually, when I was living in West Palm, which is about four hours from here, I used to drive over when I was in high school to go see death metal shows at uh, Club Detroit. So when the opportunity came up to reopen Club Detroit, mm-hmm. I know the owner of the building and him and I sat down and recreated Club Detroit. Unfortunately, too many chefs in the kitchen, uh, as they say, <laughs> and things didn't work out. Uh, they ended up uh, moving on. Actually, I ended up moving on first, and then they uh, sold the club. But, you know, uh, we had a, a fun little short run there, and it was fun to kind of revive Club Detroit. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a, it was a nice little thing. I mean, I I, I went to mainly shows down in St. Pete, um, uh, like State Theatre and, and local 662. Six, or was I should say? Uh, yep, yep. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and was yeah, that's another place I was a bit <laughs> getting ready to buy in. My buddy owns that place too. So okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I was just I was just like like getting into sort of bands in that area, and I, I knew you were very active in the community and stuff like that within the sort of like rock community. Was that something that you really wanted to sort of like delve into generally? Obviously, you're you know you're quite. Um, uh, entrepreneurial and, and we'll go into more of the stuff that you're doing like you you're always sort of like pushing certain medias and stuff um but was that like sort of like club and and running a sort of like um like a scene basically was that was that sort of something you wanted to be or do yeah i i just always wanted to use whatever power my voice on the radio had to help people out and that went a lot of different ways i mean you listen to the show obviously we were chock full of dick and fart jokes but <laughs> when when serious stuff went down uh, i like to think we were amongst the first to kind of help get the community to come together and rally around whether that was uh if an unfortunate situation where we lost a first responder or something like mm-hmm. that we would always try to make sure that we were setting stuff up and then that then goes out to that local scene where i wanted this to be a thriving uh, rock scene and I, knowing a lot of the bands and, again, having a, a pretty powerful voice here in the market, it it was my duty mm. to help to, to get the word out about these bands and to help promote shows and help sponsor shows. And even if it was just me showing up at a show, if that helped them out, then I was all about it. I just wanted to be there and help this scene grow, yeah. which, you know, it's seen its flows, but I think there's going to be a resurgence here pretty soon, actually. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask because when I was there, there was some there was some good bands, sort of like you know they're all helping each other out, which is what a scene should be. Um, like you had like yeah. national acts come through and they'd stack the sort of like bill with local bands, which was great. And then those bands would be selling tickets, which you know, and and they'd be selling it for each other. It's not just themselves, you know, not just out for themselves. It was um, like bands like Cipher Machine and 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 Psycho Tribe and. Uh, the dude and 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 like just I'm trying to reel off bands that I remember now, um, <laughs> um, but no, but it was just it was a really cool. So I was going to ask you, you probably already answered it, but I was just going to ask you what the scene was like there now because obviously I've been away from there for we're coming up three years now, so it was about the time I think State Theatre closed, um, mm-hmm. which seemed to be a hub of 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 a lot of the shows. Um, 
Uh, I was just sort of curious how that kind of affected the, 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 the scene there. Yeah, you know, again, there's the ebbs and flows of any music scene, and I definitely felt like there was a little bit of a, a lull, only because, especially in St. Pete, we definitely lost some of those clubs where those bands could play at. Local 662, uh, they went out. Foo Bar went out. Mm. Uh, the state obviously, had, they went out, but they uh, are actually reopening. the. It's going to be called the Floridian Social Club, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, you know, they went in and they restored that building. Curious to see exactly what kind of shows they bring, because it seems like it's a little bit uh, more hoity-toity, which is not a bad thing, by the way. I'm not one of those people that, you know, you can't cry over the past, man. Things change. Downtown St. Pete has evolved so much. Um, I mean, you can call it gentrification or whatever you want to call it, uh, but it happens. And mm. it happens when people start moving into an area and money starts moving into the area. So. Mm. That 600 block with Foo Bar and, uh, again, Local 662 and State Theater, that was a different beast when you were living here. Now it's yeah. definitely changed. And, again, I mean, it changed for the better or the worse. It depends on who you ask. I think there's some great restaurants there. Um, I do miss the fact that, again, you mentioned before, I'm an entrepreneurial kind of guy. I had my hands in – there was a bar over there called Octave, which was right across the street from Local. Yep. And – I was part owner of Octave, and it was a cool karaoke bar slash live music venue. So uh, we were one of the first dominoes to fall, really. Uh, I think more for us is just based on we had a shitty landlord. But, um, <laughs> you know, it would have it would have it would have happened eventually just with the way that the rents are going there. It's 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 astronomical what they're asking for uh, pricing. I actually, like I alluded to with local 662, I know the owner. He's a good friend of mine. We were going to do this really cool concept and call it Cage's Green Room. Mm. And basically, it's a bar where you would have walked into a backstage. Ah. So picture an Aerosmith backstage type bar <laughs> with, uh, you know, drugs on the floor and amps and, you know, classy, but still, you know, rock. Yeah. Not and so we were going to do that. But the the rent was going to just make it very uh, uh, cost prohibitive for us, so we yeah. decided to cut ties. Yeah, no, I noticed like because I, I still subscribe to obviously a few pages of the sort of places there, like Daddy Cool and stuff like that. Because uh, I know they sure. they ended up moving to another area of St. Pete. Um, yep. But my wife used to work downtown in St. Pete, one of the offices um, down there. Uh, actually, it was the place opposite the cinema um, where they had the like open air mall. I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, we're down near the sort of like waterfront near the like marina and everything. So I used to spend a lot of time down that way, just sort of hanging out, like take the kids down there, down to the pier when it was there. Um and I love just walk, like hanging out in St. Pete. Uh that was that was a sort of like great sort of like um uh thing of that area because I, I actually lived up in Tampa, up in Hillsborough County, so it was quite a trek to make it down. Um but yeah, no, no, I, I just sort of seeing curious how the area was going because I still sort of keep in touch with a couple of the guys from down that way. Um, and uh, yeah, just sort of curious as to see because I know John Stafari, who used to run a lot of the shows, isn't uh, is based elsewhere now. He's obviously still running shows. I think he's still doing stuff with like the Brass Mug and things. But um, but yeah, no, it's there's like, definitely cool stuff that's going. You know, even yeah. through obviously the quarantine thing going on with COVID, there uh, there's a heart that is still very strong even through all the shit that's going on mm. and there's a lot of you know a lot of the artists that play a lot of the bars like katie talbert and will eric and uh, will erickson and and those guys 
Uh, Katie actually started a DTSP live feed where uh, local musicians can come in. She built a studio in her house where through this every night, she's still putting on live shows for uh, Facebook or Instagram or, or, you know, any number of social media outlets. So I think when we get to the end of this thing, the, the people that, you know, are able to still survive and still be able to play music. And I don't mean survive isn't a fatality, obviously, but uh, I, you know, survive in, in not have to get a regular day job and still get to play music. I think there's going to be a real thriving scene here. And even yeah. for those uh, weekend workers, I think, you know, again, there is a, a there's a resurgence happening and I'm pretty excited about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I look forward to kind of watching it from afar. I am intending on coming back over, but I'm going to be watching it from afar for now. So, <laughs> um, um, but I want yeah. to do is, is take on to what you're doing right now. Cause you've just released, um, a brand new podcast. We'll talk about that. Cause you've, you've got a few podcasts out there as well, which I got into while I was there, but we'll talk about the new one. Uh, it's called first match. Um, I actually listened to the first yeah. episode today cause it launched, today um <laughs> with yep. uh with uh doc gallows i really enjoyed it because i like that i i mean i'm a fan of professional wrestling i uh, have been since i was mm-hmm. a, a a very small child back here in england and uh sort of evolved from that and and coming over to the states the time i did was absolutely fantastic because like it was on at a regular time which was one thing because <laughs> normally it's on at like one in the morning here like if you want to watch the live show right um but yeah no and just sort of and then finding out that tampa was kind of a a a hub for a lot of the professional wrestlers so literally where i worked in tampa like bumping into these guys and i'm like oh shit that's like that's him that's him (laughs) like kind of doing a little fan out even though i'm like i'm 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 close i'm well i'm 40 years old so you know i was mid-30s at the time so it's a little weird for me to be like you know fanning out of this sort of thing but it was it was just crazy. I didn't, I, I mean, I knew sort of like the Hogan connection and stuff for the area, but I didn't realize like Cena and, 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 um, uh, like Jericho, people like that, that was like in that area. Um, what is that? Was that the reason you kind of moved to the area? Was that a sort of like thing? Cause I know you were, you said, like you said you dabbled in professional wrestling and, uh, you mentioned yeah. it in the podcast where you're you actually moved to that, this area for, uh, D Malenko's school. Yeah, I that was back in the late 90s when I moved over for wrestling. And like I said in the podcast, didn't end up lasting that long just because I had some uh, shitty knees from playing high school football and mm. multiple surgeries. But um, I ended up leaving, going back to West Palm. And then years later, uh, early 2000s, so I moved back to Tampa. But that was more for a radio gig. That was for the 97X gig. I, yeah. I called up and, and came over and did that and then fell in love with the area and already knew that I loved Tampa. And, yeah, the wrestling connection is great. And I've been fortunate enough to make friends with a lot of the boys and get to hang out with a lot of them, and, which makes my connections good for first match for mm. the, the new podcast I just launched. Yeah. So what, what can we expect from the podcast? Because obviously you you had um, Doc Gallows on there for, for your first episode. Can you give away anything as to your sort of future guests at the moment? Or are you kind of uh, keeping that under your hat, if you will? Yeah, I have your national treasure, Nick Aldis, coming on, ah. which will be cool. He's the NWA's World's Heavyweight Champion. Um, I've got Chris Jericho coming on. Rob Van Dam is coming on. The Blue Meanie, Brian Heffron. Nice. Raven. Uh, Corey Graves from uh, SmackDown. Uh, you know, the list just goes on. And then I got some uh, other legends in there that I'm talking to and I uh, just haven't got them wrapped up yet. But it's going to be fun, man. It's 
basically just an origin story yeah. for our favorite wrestlers. It, you know, there's so many podcasts. There's a million wrestling podcasts out there, and there's a lot of really, really good ones. But I hadn't discovered one that is kind of going down the lane that I'm going down with the origin story and going back to their childhood and where they found their love of pro wrestling and how they made their break in and training and that first match. And then, you know, going beyond that with other experiences they've had in the world of professional wrestling. And there's just so many interesting stories. Again, you heard the one with doc today, Mm. you know, and I don't want to give too much away, but (laughs) thinking about that one part where his dad pushes him backstage so he can meet up with Arn Anderson, Yes, you know, just, you know, random cool little stories like that that really aren't going to pop up on many other shows because a lot of the wrestling podcasts are either talking about the shows from that week from whatever promotion, or they're talking about what's coming up uh, or the angles that are happening now. So I just thought it would be a cool idea to go back in time and just uh, start from the beginning. So I'm glad you dug it. I'm getting some pretty good feedback on it. I hope everybody checks it out. You can find First Match on pretty much every major podcasting platform. Mm. Only one that we're not on yet is iHeart, but that just takes a minute. That's uh, We've submitted it, so it should be on there uh, any day now. But Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, iTunes, all those you can find it. Cool. Just put in First Match. Excellent. No, it's really like I really enjoyed it, and I love the concept of the origin story for these guys because it's always like, especially like, um, just not to give any sort of examples from the Gallows one, but having that kind of like moment of where they are, like very that they're so green in what they're doing, not just in their matches, but like approach trying to get like noticed by the people in charge, and it's always like yep. some kind of like real kind of um, not it's kind of like a geeky story really, or something that's full of like just mistakes. And it's, it's oh, yeah. you know, it's like they just kind of not not intentionally fell into it, but they just didn't know how to approach it. So they just kind of did all this crazy shit that that you know you wouldn't normally do if you were kind of like if you knew what you were kind of supposed to do. Right. Yeah. It's definitely it's a comedy of errors yeah. on a lot of levels, <laughs> which again makes for a, a good podcast. No, no, I, I look forward to future episodes on that front because, uh, I, like I said, I've got a love for professional wrestling. I watch it as a kid with uh you know talking of like our sort of like heritage of wrestling big daddy and giant haystacks and all that which were oh, yeah. like you know free to view tv back then uh i used to set up my room like the front room take the cushions off the off the off the couch and just sort of wrestle with my brothers you know and, and doing all that kind of stuff i never like you know got any further than that but i've got friends who kind of operate in the uk independent scene now mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool and watching them doing what they're doing and sort of coming up with their own um, stories and personas and all that kind of stuff. And it's really cool. It's interesting. The The European scene um, is very different. So after, and I'm not going to give too much away, but again, coming up in a couple of weeks, Nick Aldis mm. is going to be on. It was, it was interesting to hear the different ways that training happens over there. And with these camps and these different things they they have going on, so uh, you know definitely be on the lookout for that. But yeah, totally different, and that's what I love about this. I'm hoping to get guys from all over the world on the podcast because everybody does have that different you know comedy of error roads. Yeah. Uh, but then de- you know each country is going to have a totally different way to do that. Um, so I'm working on getting some guys from do Japan on, and hopefully I have some translators. <laughs> but uh, 
you know, and then, you know, I mean, I'd love to get down to Arena Mexico and do some stuff live down there. So, you know, it's just exciting, man. We'll we'll kind of see where this evolves to. So what, what are you doing to kind of like, you know, because obviously you've got, you've had things like 98 Rock. I know you moved to Atlanta for a bit as well to do some radio up there. But obviously you're back, yeah. back in St. Pete. How do you sort of like, uh, not not fund this 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 podcast, but what what are your sort of like um, ways now? Are you still doing any kind of like radio work or are you doing any promotional work at all? Or is it just this podcast you're doing? Because I remember from back in, if we take it back to when you set, set up, I think it was the Fisher and Cage podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, which I remember listening to you and um, you and I can't remember his first name, but Fisher. Uh, yeah, yeah, Fisher. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, but you guys ended up setting up like a, a an office downtown, um, and it was always a running joke that you couldn't make too much noise. But what yeah. what, what was that sort of like process? Are you how, hoping to do the same sort of thing as this of having, say, a studio set up? Obviously, once COVID's kind of hopefully passed and everything, you can actually do something like this. Is that the sort of general plan? Is to try and kind of, um, you know work off of this or have you got other things in the fire at the moment yeah i mean i've got multiple shows this is just the first one i'm launching uh with this new series Mm. um but you know we learned a lot for the fisher and cage stuff we got some really great sponsors and we made a little bit of money up front uh but we didn't spend that money properly you know getting a studio and and all that kind of stuff wasn't the best idea um we should have gone way more small scale than that and we may have been able to succeed um (laughs) until we could have made the more money yeah um you know so yeah i I just learned a lot man i learned a lot about how to sell and because i've always been on the talent side so i was able to glean information on how to get uh, advertisers for podcasts and that kind of fun stuff and so i'm working on advertising for uh first match but my agency is also uh, pitching it to all the major companies. I've okay. got uh, I've got two right now um, that we're dealing, and one of them has another contract. I'm just waiting for some lawyer shit to get taken care of on that one, and then I can announce what's happening with that. Cool. But uh, as far as funding this, this is you know taking, and this is not a slag on anybody who podcasts for a hobby because I think podcasting is fan- fantastic on any level. Um, but it's trying to take a product and go to that next level and have one of the big boys come in and, and really throw the money down for us, uh, and, and help with, uh, advertising and that kind of fun stuff. Cool. And luckily again, I've, I've been able to, through my agency, get those immediate contacts and get this product in front of the major players with so many, uh, podcasts out there and anybody hoping to make money on podcasting. Uh, just keep hustling, keep hustle, 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 mm. but know that like anything, it takes contacts and find those contacts of people who can get you to the right people and, and get you in front of the right people. Because if not, you're going to get lost in the sea of hundreds of thousands of podcasts as we both know. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. I mean, I, I, this is, this is a hobby of mine. I have a day job that I do to pay for everything. And, and I just enjoy sure. speaking to like, I mainly speak to uh, musicians, like rock musicians as a sort of like yeah. general topic of the show. Um, but I'm trying to branch like I out. Said, I, think, I think that's great. I think what an amazing way to uh, just really delve into what interests you and then mm. find a like minded group of people. I think, I mean, it's brilliant. I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, I mean, I enjoy it. It's definitely like, especially during this COVID thing, I've been releasing podcasts like every day for the last mm-hmm. month or so. And I've, I've, you know, I've talked to bands like Lamb of God and 
and uh mushroom head and all that kind of stuff and it, it's just sort of it's been really it's actually been quite nice to speak to people other than my family so, <laughs> so like that. um okay. but no, no it's just sort of something that that i'm 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 aware that you like contact wise if if i wanted to make money from this then i would have to go through because i have connections within sort of like the music industry like i said, yeah. I, like I said before i've got an internet radio show as well which i actually do as a hobby as well so it's kind of and that's more of a that's based around the sort of conversations that we have on here but it's also incorporating like actually playing music because i don't have the license to play full music on this show um right but no i was just like um on on that sort of like front i was just curious if that was something but obviously you've got those contacts and and the the industry for podcasting is changing like the the massive deal rogan joe rogan's just signed the, jesus christ man you know, i'm like <laughs> i only i saw it yesterday and i was like like for an exclusive podcast a thing that get, you get given away for free like generally right. just to have it on obviously they want the exclusivity on their platform which is fine which i get because they want to be like the dominant streaming service but and that's why these guys are paying i mean that's exactly right you have the iHearts and spotify and yeah. and itunes now is starting to to shell out some money too because people are really seeing the value in this because yeah it's a free product that people are picking up but when you got you know especially a guy like rogan which is millions and millions of yeah. followers yeah. Uh, listeners sure you can charge uh, uh, an arm and a leg for an ad on his show because it's going you're getting so much exposure and the thing that's cool about podcasting that's different than radio and this is for anybody who's listening to this who would be interested in advertising on your show mm. you know it, it's one of those things where it's so much more intimate yeah. You know, it's on the radio side. A lot of times it's just in the periphery. It's just out there. Yep. And, you know, yeah, we hope that when we're talking and we're, you know, doing the dick and fart jokes that you're enjoying it and that you're a piece of it. But, you know, a lot of times it goes to the commercials. And what do you do? You either just totally zone it out or you go to the next station. Whereas mm. podcasting, man, you're in somebody's head. They're yeah. right there. Yeah. And you can weave in that content however you want. So from an advertiser standpoint, um, I encourage anybody listening to this to advertise on this podcast right here right now thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> but no what i also like about it is the long form interview like like you say with radio um i can get the guys in we can do a promotional shoot for like 10 minutes talk about their new release and then bang you're done um with with the podcast you get to go a little bit deeper which is what i absolutely love i like to sort of like delve a little bit more into the mind of the creative person that that is behind the music rather than just sort of asking the sort of what's your new album like oh it's going to be our heaviest one yet or our most you know melodic one or it's going to take you something you know i like to sort of get the more the stories out of them as well because i've had like new new musicians on the show like i'll say new musicians new bands um and i've had like proper classic bands on the show as well i've had like yes and uh kansas and all that kind of stuff not to bloody name drop all the time but yeah. <laughs> um but That's just cool like though, great. no they are they're great because they have the stories and they have a totally different perspective of the record industry as well which i love to dig it div it like sort of dig into because when i sort of got into the music industry myself it was um it was kind of on the verge of the digital kind of like revolution if you will so it was you know when i was in college i was taught how to record stuff using reel to reel you know very little digital sort of like recording obviously that evolved over the time i was in a band the the the, the mp3 became a an asset at that point as well and and it's just sort of curious like i've i've ne i never got to sample what it was like back then to kind of like sell millions of records 
if you will. Right. <laughs> so I was asking these guys back then, what was it like? You're selling millions compared to now where it's just sort of all based on streams or it's based on numbers. It's quantified on an entity that you don't actually physically own. You know, how, how does that affect them and stuff? And it's, it's great. This is what I love. Like, you, know, you get that and then you get the new band who have totally embraced this new technology and know exactly how to do it. Yeah, it's funny because the the old school cats, I mean, then we can throw ourselves into that because we can remember going down on a, a Friday and a release day and waiting in line to get our favorite CD, right? Or, or yeah. record or cassette or whatever the case may be. And not to be the old man, but it's really a shame that a lot of these kids will never have that experience. You don't have that experience of holding it yeah. you know and reading reading the liner notes yeah. right i mean that was that was one of the best parts about getting new shit was reading those liner notes and holding it and having that you know i i would go through and i i was a huge iron maiden fan still i'm a huge iron maiden fan but whenever i'd get a new iron maiden record you know they'd always have those cool inserts so i'd be pulling out those inserts they i wish i would have kept intact now but i'd cut them up and put them on my walls right yep you know having that <laughs> tangible really cool thing again you get the music digitally fine that's great yeah but to sit there and listen to an entire record and read the liner notes and read the lyrics and have it there that is just an experience that i wish that uh well kids today (laughs) would have yeah no i mean i still i still buy records on vinyl if i can if the bands release it i've got a couple of new releases right next to me right now but it and that's what i love i love it. it's like a piece of art not just the music like obviously that's one piece of the art but the actual size of the artwork itself so obviously a gatefold vinyl you're looking at two sort of like 24 inch across kind of like you know images cds yeah. you have the little booklets stuff like that and obviously some bands made sort of like took advantage of that in as much as like like tool and stuff they always do something quite cool with it um mm-hmm. but no i've always loved vinyl i've always been like a vinyl dj as well so it's kind of in my nature i've got stacks of the stuff sort of in my little studio right now so it's like it's all sat yeah. there but no you're right sort of lining up the only experience they'll get of that would be like record store day or something you know sure where, where where you do line up but you're lining up for like exclusive reissues or whatever and, and all that kind of stuff which which is cool because I, I i mean i enjoy i used to love record store day in tampa actually i used to go to uh banana music oh and, yeah and just like just well i didn't just buy the exclusive i just went through all their records i went down there quite oh, a lot yeah so <laughs> that's one thing i do miss we do have record stores here obviously i've got friends who run them here and stuff but they're not on that scale they're not that huge, right. like, warehouse full of, like, dirty vinyl everywhere. So it's all good. <laughs> um, but I've got, I got a couple of questions left for you, Jesse. I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your day because, um, yeah, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, <laughs> but what, what I want to find out is um, uh, basically these are sort of like just sort of based gen- my generic questions, if you will. But what are your um, what would you say your three albums were that really kind of define you as a person today? So the one that really kind of like got you into rock music, the one that kind of like really kind of like, you know, so just sort of got you into that scene. Uh, it would have to be Iron Maiden somewhere in time. Nice. Uh, my older brothers, who's five years older, he had a, his best friend, his name was Chris. And I would go down to Chris's house cause he would have all these new records. And I'll never forget when he put on somewhere in time, I just lost my mind. Nice. Um, and then immediately went back and started listening to 
you know, everything, whether, yeah. you know, power save or, or killers or, you know, just going through the whole, the whole catalog. Mm. And it was, it was, it was life changing. It just, it, I, I went out the next day and made my parents buy me Iron Maiden t-shirts and all this <laughs> shit. Um, uh, so I would say Maiden, uh, GNR, uh, Appetite, obviously, yeah. I think that's on a lot of our lists yeah. just because of, of how raw that was. Um, I remember when I first heard Guns N' Roses, I was watching MTV. Remember MTV used to do those, uh, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning. After Headbangers Ball, they would do like live shows, well, yeah. live to tape shows from like the Roxy and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I got, I remember one night after Headbangers Ball, it was Guns N' Roses, uh, the small club, and they ripped through all of Appetite. And I remember being scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, not scared enough to turn it off. But I, I, I felt I, I felt nervous. Yeah. I felt like I was watching something I shouldn't be watching. <laughs> um, and I loved every fucking second of it. Amazing. Every second. And again, I mean, that record, that's just one of those ones that just, you know, totally sticks with you. So I think, you know, uh, those would have to be the top two. And then obviously, you know, from your time living here, how much I love Metallica. So, yeah, I was going to say mandatory Metallica at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, Master of Puppets could definitely be uh, on that list as well. And uh, contrary to what a lot of people think, uh, I, I think that uh, Justice is their best album. If it was produced better, it would be way better. But Justice front to back is the. The, the best Metallica album and yeah. just to get there and get set off with the one video to finally see a video from a band like that, uh, that just, that, that was, that was industry changing. Yeah. So, uh, so definitely, yeah. Long winded answer. I gave you four. <laughs> nah, that's all good. That is all good. That is all good. They're all fantastic albums to be honest with you. So I don't mind. Uh, no, I, I love Iron Maiden, obviously being from the land of Iron Maiden. Guns and Roses were pivotal for me when I was a kid. It was then between yep. them and Motorhead. And, oh. um, and yeah, Meta well, Metallica and Metallica, they're the kind of dominant force amongst all metal bands. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah, you can't deny their, like, and well, any of their influence or any of their sort of path, really. It's been, it's been, you know, meteoric, I think is the probably the word, isn't it? Or it's, yeah. You know, and they've got balls, man, because, you know, people say they sold out. I just think they evolved. They yeah. did what they had to do and they evolved. Yeah. And it, it came full circle because the, the, the latest shit is just a perfect mix of everything they had done. Yeah. I just think it's, you know, hardwired is a great record. Yeah. It's a great record. It's a, it's probably the first Metallica front to back back record uh, since justice that I, well, I mean, obviously let's, Let's not forget the Black Album, but I mean everybody <laughs> likes the Black Album, right? But I mean, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, going back, the my it's probably my second favorite front to back record from Metallica is what I should say. Awesome, awesome. No, it's a good, re it's a damn good record. Um, no, I enjoy, I enjoy most of the stuff they've done. So it's not like I, I wasn't like a massive like skeptic during St. Anger or anything, um, apart from obviously the production side of it, which everyone was. Sure. <laughs> um, but no, their songwriting ability and the way they have adapted and, and evolved and, you know, they've had to, they're not, they're not young men anymore. So doing stuff like, you know, uh, from those early albums, Ride the Lightning and whatnot, 
it's going to be more and more difficult. So they've got to be able to do it to survive, to be honest. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, no, they're all cool, all cool. Um, so finally, what are your um, hobbies away from this? Obviously, you've kind of turned, I guess, one of your sort of hobbies into something a bit more of a profession on that front with like the wrestling and um, sort of turning that into like, the podcast stuff. But have you got any other like hobbies that you can sort of get up to? Yeah, I actually just started picking my guitar back up. I, I played in bands for years growing up and... I, for whatever reason, unlike a lot of us who played guitar or, or any instrument when you're in high school and college, life happens and you put it down and you don't touch it for some reason. I don't, I don't know exactly why that happens. Yeah. Uh, something that I loved so much, but I just recently re-picked up my guitar and have a, a rekindled love for playing guitar. So that's been filling my time uh, outside of building these new podcasts and quite frankly, I mean, hobby-wise, it's just creating. I just want to create. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, my love of wrestling, which was a hobby, I've been able to turn that into something that hopefully very soon is going to be profitable for me. Um, but, yeah, I just like to create. I just, whether that's coming up with new ideas. I have a, uh, a bunch of friends in marketing, so I like to help them out kind of pro bono, yep. um, which, so get a couple bucks for that, but again, it's just a hobby for me, because I just enjoy the process, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, um, cool. You know, and then masturbating and watching football. Not at the same time, though. I was going to say, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch although, the- although the lingerie football league, I would definitely masturbate to. <laughs> and full disclosure, if the Miami Dolphins ever win a Super Bowl, probably masturbate to that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone would blame me for that either. So. <laughs> cool well Jesse mate, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been great chatting to you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more episodes of first match and stuff like that so um. hey man thank you so much for all the support and if i could just throw out uh, i can be reached on the twitter box oh yeah yeah at, yeah at jesse cage j-e-s-s-e-k-a-g-e and then also on instagram same thing at jesse cage cool well again i appreciate you having me on dude um let's keep in touch yeah definitely definitely and all right man well have a good one and uh, yeah have a good rest of your day all right cheers brother bye-bye